So I want to welcome you all here today for Bob Baranowski's homecoming. And on behalf of his family, Marty, his wife of 58 years, their four children and 11 grandchildren, Bo and Lori, Madeline, Silas, Elijah and Sadie, Baron Lynn and Ryder, Susanna, Asa and Jordan, Evan and Phoebe, Amy, Owen, Annie, and Khalil. Brothers, brothers-in-law, sisters, sisters-in-law, cousins, nephews, nieces, a couple of dogs and a couple of cats, we all say thank you. We thank, we thank you for your presence here today. Thanks for your prayers, for, your, for meals, for phone calls, for texts, emails, letters, conversations, all of which have sustained us as a family over these last couple of weeks and really even longer. I want to give a special thanks to some of Bob's, of, of Bob's life, to caregivers uh, in the last weeks in particular of, of Bob's life, to Dr. Dave Kimmel, who, uh, while on vacation, answered more phone calls and texts than he should have <laughs> um, because he loves us. Uh, so thank you, Dr. Kimmel. Uh, to Hannah Gwen, um, to Ashley, Kalen, and Carolyn from hospice, and they're uh, heroes of the faith. And the way they loved Bob and loved us uh, was astounding. Um, and a special thanks to Emily Sheffield, who took time out of her schedule to drive to our house to sit us down and to explain to us where we were and where we needed to go and loved us amazingly. So thank you. We gather, uh, we gather here today for a couple of reasons. The main reason and the main purpose that we gather is, is to affirm our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bob's Lord. We gather to affirm our faith in him because he alone is worthy of our worship. We gather to seek his face, to seek his, his patience, his comfort, his, his, uh, his joy, his thanksgiving, his peace. We gather here in the name of Jesus Christ to worship him and to seek him in this time. And of course, we gather to remember Bob. You know, Bob had so many names. Colonel, Bob, Pop-Pop, Dad. But he's all our beloved. And so we, we gather today to honor him. So as we begin our service with our opening hymn, would you stand with me and sing, It is well with my soul. Father, we can stand here this morning and say those words, it is well with my soul because of your sacrificial love, because of your death on a Roman cross, because of your resurrection and ascension and your intervention on our behalf right now. Father, we can stand here this morning 
or this afternoon, excuse me. We can stand in joy, we can stand in peace, we can stand in laughter, we can stand in tears and grief. And in all of that, you are here among us and we can proclaim that it is well with my soul. And for, Lord, for that, Lord, we give you thanks. Because you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy of our worship. It's the mighty name of Christ we do pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Of course, one of the things about my father-in-law is that he was a teacher. You know, he, he taught Sunday school. He taught Bible studies all over town. And I think he has something to teach us today. Because you see, Bob, like, anyone, like no one I've ever met before in my life, had planned today to a T. He had planned out this service. He even wrote his own obituary. We had to make a few addendums to it. But everything that I'm going to read from God's word and every song that we're going to sing and that Jason is going to sing later is because that's what Bob wanted us to hear today. So would you listen to God's word found uh, several New Testament readings beginning, first of all, with 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Faith in the incarnate Son of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 6, our heavenly dwelling. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal. That's a pretty long time in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to, to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we, we may not be found naked. For while we were still in this tent, we groaned, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, because he who spared us for this very thing is God, who has given us, as, given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord but we go to him who prepares a place. And then Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain 
the resurrection from the dead. One of the hymns that, that Bob and Marty used to sing and loved, and Bob had written down in several places, it was undeniable. I think we tried to kind of bury it behind a couple pages, but it kept turning up, so we decided we should probably do it. It's a, a beautiful old hymn, and um, Marty has asked my brother-in-law on my side of the family, uh, Jason Vance, to come and sing That Man from Calvary uh, this morning. So thank you, Jason and Susan. of all the earth beside chiefest all unto thy bride fullness divine in thee I see beautiful man of Calvary that man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free. Blessed man of Calvary, granting the sinner life and peace, granting the captive sweet release. Shedding his blood to make us free, merciful man of Calvary, that man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free. Blessed man of Calvary, giving the gifts obtained for men, pouring out love beyond our kin, giving us spotless purity, bountiful man of Calvary. That man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free. Blessed man of Calvary, comfort of all my earthly ways. Jesus, I'll meet thee some sweet day. Center of glory, thee I'll see. Wonderful man of Calvary. That man of Calvary has won my heart from me. And died to set me free, last man of Calvary, that man of Calvary 
has won my heart from me and died to set me free. Blessed men of Calvary. Robert Emil Baranowski, Jr. of Banner Elk, North Carolina, left this life on the best day of his life, he wrote. Tuesday, October 27, 2020. Bob was born in Augusta, Georgia, November 16, 1930. Bob was a graduate of the Academy of Richmond County, attended Bob Jones University for bad behavior, he used to say was a graduate of Augusta Junior College and then the University of Georgia, God's country, he would remind us. God, a lot of dogs in the house today. Bob was employed for a short time with his father's milling company of Augusta, and he then went into the United States Air Force, where he served for 20 years. He headed the Air Force Combat Control Team in Vietnam during 1968 to 1969. And while in the Air Force, Bob jumped out of perfectly good airplanes over 200 times. He always had a taste for adventure, which he has passed on to his family, to us, his children, and his grandchildren, his prize. He retired from the Air Force Air Staff at the Pentagon and went into business in Southern Maryland. He then moved to the mountains of North Carolina, despite the chagrin of his children, to this tiny little town called Banner Elk. In Banner Elk, Bob sold real estate. He, he, he grew Christmas trees. He served with Kiwanis. He was an original member of the High Country Young Life Committee in starting that ministry here, helping to start that ministry here. The Airport Commission, he was an original one of the mountain men Bible study, a group of men that has met uninterrupted for I don't know how long. He and Marty's home became a hostel of sorts, a launching pad, and also a landing pad for many. Their ministry of hospitality continues to today, with far too numerous people to name and account who have stayed or lived, including myself, in the root cellar or the big house. Bob found joy in the property that he and Marty cultivated with flowers, with a pond, and rhododendron that when they are in bloom rivaled those found on Roan Mountain. It stirred his joy, he would say. To be at home, to be with friends, and be with family. And really, everyone was his family. Because you know as well as I do, if you were a male and, he, and you, he saw you coming, his greeting to you was, well, hello, brother. And if you're a female, well, hello, sister. Around the table, in the yard, or in the parlor, the only man I know that ever used that word correctly, 
Bob would entertain and hold court with stories we all heard 379 times, but didn't care. We didn't care to hear them one more time. Bob was always our advocate, you see. He, he was our number one fan. He loved youth and vigor. And instead of bemoaning old age and reminiscing about too much about the good old days, Bob encouraged and promoted the young. He had a sweatshirt especially made, Old Life for Young Life. He advanced our careers. He was in our corner. He was for us. His doting at times was embarrassing. His pride in his tribe was his legacy. We all developed our impersonations and phrases of phrases that we heard. Great day. <laughs> that could be used for a lot of things. That could be used for, look outside, it's a great day, <laughs> to, ooh, almost like a mild swear, great day. <laughs> Better than I deserve, when you asked how he was doing. And of course, Martha. The only one who called Marty by her name, Martha. His son, moon and stars, and the love of his life. There was a love story, is a love story, played out in front of us to see. Any man would do well by his family to spend some time observing how Bob loved Martha. I saw it play out in person over these last three years. I had a front row seat as I was one of their roommates. Their love never faltered and it never failed. It moves me and it shaped me. It wants me to be a better husband and a better father. It wants me to be more like Bob. He and Marty were founding members of Benner Christian Fellowship. What started as a gathering of a few couples in the living room and, and Carl and Susan came on board and, and is blessed and has been blessed by the Lord to become this. We very literally and figuratively stand and sit on their shoulders. This church and its reach for so many years of what the Lord has done. Bob served as an elder of this church until 2015, 40 years. A long obedience in the same direction. Bob loved this church. And he loved this community. And because of you and because of the folks that are here today, folks that are in the fellowship hall, the folks that are listening in your cars, he loved you. Bob was a lay minister and a Bible study teacher here in the high country for over 40 years. Too many Bible studies to name. In the last week or so of Bob's life, I had a dream. I don't remember a lot of the details of the dream, but in the dream, Bob was, was there. And he came to me and as we were talking, and he told me, Brother, preach the word. Bob loved God's Word. He loved reading it. 
He loved studying it. He loved hearing it, touching it, memorizing it. He never departed from it. He had hidden it in his heart because Jesus was his goal and prize and Lord. Bob is with him now in glory. So because of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, we know these words that Bob loved so much to be true. In Hebrews 13, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And then in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, that's us, who have longed for his appearing. In the final 36 hours or so of, of Bob's time with us, uh, Marty and Amy and, and Susanna found joy in one of Wendell Berry's poems. And so I want to sort of close my time here by reading this poem from Wendell Berry. He goes free of the earth. The sun of his last day sets clear in the sweetness of his liberty. The earth recovers from his dying, the hallow of his life remaining in all his death leaves. Radiance knows him. Grown lighter than breath, he is set free in our remembering. Grown brighter than visions, he goes dark into the life of the hill that holds his peace. He's hidden among all that is and cannot be lost. Praise God. And amen. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God love, loved Bob and he, as he loves all of us. From the foundation of the world. There's never been a plan B. It's just plan A. And his name is Jesus. Bob's Lord and ours. At this point in time, I'm going to step aside and let some of Bob's family wax on of him a bit. We're going to start with Bob's brother, Clarence Baranowski, who came uh, to be with us this morning. So, Clarence. For this opportunity, Martha. I'm sorry it's not Marty. I've always known you, Martha. And uh, never known him as Bob. It was always by his middle name, Emil. And uh, here with us this morning also, or this afternoon, is another one of his brothers, Gene, and Joyce's wife, and my wife, Sylvia. And then their two nephews, that are back there, one from New Jersey and one from Georgia as well, and their wives. We're grateful for more. You gotta take a mask off. And there's a third couple uh, from Georgia. And another, Alec. <laughs> well, we need to call the roll. 
Take up the offering. <laughs> Singing that hymn reminds me of Emil uh, because I heard him sing it before he got up here and he was always a favorite with him. Two or three weeks ago, uh, in the first week of October, we lost another brother, uh, the youngest brother of our family. And then the last week of the month, Emil went home uh, to be with the Lord. Emil was a good person. Oh, he knew what that meant scripturally. How many college students do you know that will gather some from the dormitory and come together and have a Bible story in junior and senior in college? Well, yeah, you're right, not too many. And he would ask local preachers to come and ask local businessmen who would come through town who were believers to come and talk to some of those. He was an Eagle Scout. He was grateful for the opportunity uh, to do that. He was a good person. He spent a lot of Saturdays with what he organized as the Timothy Club. We would round up some guys and play a little football or something like that and the meal would have a Bible study with the Timothy Club. He, while he was in college at the University of Georgia, he was asked to preach at a church in Wilkes County, Georgia, which is Washington, Georgia, whenever the local preacher was away. And he did that many times as a junior and senior in college, preaching. He kept repeating the words and it was a slogan of his. Clarence, no Bible, no breakfast. He copied that. That was from Watchman Nee, who was a Chinese missionary 60, 70 years ago. And he would often see me while we were at college. Clarence, no Bible, no breakfast. And I think he did that as much as he possibly could. He kept repeating those words. After college, he made me mad. He would look at me and he said, Clarence, do you think you'll ever amount to anything? <laughs> Before I had a chance to answer, he said, Clarence, do you think you'll ever amount to anything? Then he added two words, for God. That was his ultimate objective that you would amount to something, but you would do it for God. He didn't do that once to me. I don't know how many times. That's why I still remember it. On Tuesday of this week, I received a call from a former neighbor of ours that I hadn't seen in probably 30 years. And he was talking about how much our family had meant to him spiritually. He lived two doors up the street. And then he said that he sent me a picture of Emil in Vietnam. Emil didn't want to eat at the officers club. As you know, he retired as a lieutenant colonel. 
He didn't want to eat at the officer's club. He wanted to eat with the men in the mess hall. And this was a picture of the two of them in Vietnam. He stated that not only he didn't like to eat in the officer's club, but I don't know how big the dining hall was. But when they sat down, he said, and his name was Reed Berry, he said, Reed, let's pray. And Reed said that every man in that mess hall stopped and listened while Emil gave thanks for the food that day. It was much of his life. That was in 1968. And when we think about it today, we are faced with a lot of different changes in the next few years in this nation. Who knows what it's going to be like? I was sitting there this morning reading, and I get this email from David Crowdis, who is a missionary a year older than I am, but he's in South Africa. And then later on, I communicate back with him, and I get another email from a missionary, George Sturm, in Albania. George has had the privilege of going to North Korea, teaching at Pongyang University. He's still doing some of that over the internet, which reminds me of all of the things that we have going today. You can't hide. In some, some parts of China, you can't even jaywalk without somebody coming to arrest you. Something happened to my cell phone this morning that had never happened before, and I couldn't enter it. I had to go get my uh, passcode to get back in there. And when I did, I had 2,420 emails that had been resurrected <laughs> out of my files. I don't know when I'm going to get rid of them, but nevertheless, I say that to there may be some in here. You may think that your life is hidden from God. You may think that Jesus Christ doesn't know what's going on in your life. What will the future be? I don't know. David following a funeral casket of a man by the name of Abner made this expression. Abner died as a fool died. That's in the Bible? Yeah, Second Samuel. Abner died as a fool died. And I only say that. There may be some in here. You're here because your wife made you come, or your husband made you come, or your parents made you come. And you could care less about what's happening today in the world or your future. Why did David say to Abner in the casket, died Abner as a fool died? The reason was Abner had committed murder. He had been told and he knew that if he went to the city of refuge, he could be spared. But what did Abner do? 
He stood outside of the city of refuge where he was subject to being persecuted and dealt a death blow. Emil, I hope you can recognize that name. Emil would love to know somebody here this afternoon came to the Lord Jesus Christ knowing he is the only place that you can live for eternity. May it be so that you'll seek out our brother and earn the way of salvation by surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. May it be so for his name's sake. Thank you, brother. I'd like to call on my niece, Madeline Baranowski, to come forward. Every day my grandpa lived, he lived it like it was his first day of life. He showcased that in everything he did, too. If you knew my grandpa, even a little, you knew he was a joyful man. Pop-Pop walked through life wholeheartedly, enjoying it to the fullest. Every walk outside was a beautiful one. I remember walking with him once and him pointing up at the clouds in the sky and exclaiming in that deep Georgian accent, that I'll never be able to recreate, but I'll try my best. Isn't that cloud so, oh God, that's bad. Um, I'm just not gonna. Isn't that cloud so beautiful? And each one God makes is different. You'll never see the, you'll never see the same exact shape twice. And it's true. You'll never see the clouds the same way either now. Every meal he ate was delicious. I've made my fair share of lunches with Pop Pop, and I can tell you that every sandwich I've ever made that has passed his lips, he declared to be one of the best lunches he's ever had. Even those sugar-free peanut butter and jelly sandwich abominations. <laughs> Most importantly, though, I think that every person my grandfather has encountered, I believe he has tried to show Jesus' love to the fullest extent. I cannot tell you how many people I've met that after introducing myself and giving them my full name, their immediate reaction is, Baranowski, are you related to Bob Baranowski, like Robert Baranowski? It's not just in Avery County, either. I still get that reaction and still run into people that knew him and loved him despite going to a college six hours away in Wilmington. People know my grandfather because of how kind and generous of a man he was. Stuff like that travels around and sticks. The stories I've heard over the years about the absolute legend that Bob Baranowski was continue to amaze me. A particular favorite of mine is that my grandpa holds the current record at Windy Gap for being the oldest person, 80 years old, to complete the high ropes course. Um, it's like a regular ropes course, but it's set in the treetops, very high up. Um, another is that Pop Pop has jumped out of an airplane 200 times. I think more than 200 times, but 
He was actually nicknamed the first jumper because he liked to jump out first so he'd be able to be finished the fastest to go home and help Martha with the kids. Pop Pop has also had a degree, also got a degree in chicken farming and <laughs> has one of the greenest thumbs I've ever seen. That man, that man could make anything grow and the flowers he planted years ago still bloom today. Pop Pop knew most of the back roads in Avery and Watauga County as well because he liked to drive them until he got lost and then just figure out his way back. He loved to go on walks and go exploring, sometimes where he shouldn't go. I could always count on Pop Pop to be a partner in crime. Pop Pop always said yes. Most of the memories I have of my grandfather are of us walking around and exploring stuff together. I remember trespassing with him and into quite a few abandoned houses, <laughs> poking our way through the woods many times, and swimming in the snake-infested pond behind his house while watching me. Pop Pop was young at heart, but one of the most unique things about my grandfather is that he wasn't afraid to die. I speak for all the grandkids when I say most of us have some memory or story about Pop Pop just casually bringing up death in some everyday conversation. Mine I can vividly recall was in the fifth grade when I tagged along to run some errands with him. We were in the CVS in Newland and I remember him picking out a tube of toothpaste holding it up and declaring, this may be my last tube of toothpaste. <laughs> um, of course, I was shocked and said something along the lines of, pop, pop, don't say that, you don't know that. He was just always ready to die. To someone who isn't a Christian, though, that may sound like the most morbid thing to say. He is one of the few people I think I will ever meet that was looking forward to dying. Pop Pop talked about death a lot, but never in a fearful or reproachful way. I'd like to read a piece of the letter that he wrote me when I was eight years old, after one of my teachers died and I came to him asking questions about death. It starts, I don't know when you will read this, perhaps when your Pop Pop has died. <laughs> Know that I will be with our Lord, and we will be together again. We will all experience death. It's a part of living. Thank God for giving you the experience of life. I'm now 78 years old, and I'm getting close to being with my Lord. I'm really looking forward to being with him. My weak faith will have become strong from doubt, will have become strong from doubt to faith. I will welcome you there someday, and the joy that you have brought me brought to me here will be mine forever. About a week ago when I came back to school shortly after Pop Pop passed away, I remember walking into my apartment and being greeted by my roommates. They all gave me their condolences and hugged me, asking me gently how I was holding up, and in that moment I realized I wasn't necessarily sad because Pop Pop may be gone from this earth, but his spirit is certainly not dead. I kind of chuckled and I said, my grandpa's doing fine. We're a bit sad here, but he's having the best time of his life. My roommates aren't Christians. So after a bit of a crazy glance, I explained that Pop Pop, although he loved life here on earth with us, he was ready to go. He was excited to meet Jesus. In his last days of life, um, one of the last things he said during a particularly rough night of stirring around and being agitated and trying to get out of bed 
When the life care nurse asked him what he was looking for, he replied, point blank, I'm looking for heaven. One of my roommates sighed and said, there's something special about having that much peace and death. I hope when I die, I feel the same way. I hope we all do. I hope we, all, we are all as ready to meet Jesus as Bob Baranowski was. My grandpa had it right all along. The end of life is just the beginning. It's the best first day of our new life with our Father in heaven. going to call on my nephew, Asa Hollingsworth, the oldest grandchild to come. I knew I was going to be in trouble when they had me follow Maddie. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, also, I'm glad there were so many hymns because uh, that's very, I don't know, that's the most reminiscent thing of pop pop. The only thing missing is the uh, more vibrato than a blue tick hound dog that he uh, would belt as loud as he can. Um, so uh, it was hard to decide on what I was going to share, um, mainly because the stories are so numerous. Um, in the end, I picked one that I really feel shows how I saw Pop-Pop and um, really displays what kind of person he was to me. Um, so it was around 2007. And uh, my nine to 10 year old self was kind of stuck in the middle of the family. I was a little too young to get along with the adults and a little too old to really connect with any of the cousins. Um, so Pop Pop and Nana decided to spend some time with me and take me to the Virginia Creeper Trail. Um, the bike trail was great, uh, but their intention was to spend some quality time with me. But being a competitive little boy, me and all the other little boys saw this as a race, of course. Um, so as soon as we set off, I sped off uh, from checkpoint to checkpoint, trying to win. <laughs> um, and so after, after the trip, um, which I enjoyed a lot, uh, I remember Nana telling me, you know, uh, I'm glad you had a good time, but I wish next time you'll stay, hang back and spend some time with us. And uh, I could detect some understandable disappointment in her, and I felt bad and honestly a little bit embarrassed that I had, uh, I don't know, I'd forgotten about them a little bit. Um, but Pop Pop could see on my face that I was a little disappointed in myself. And um, he did what Pop Pop always does. He brightened my spirit, and I can't, I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and he goes, you know, obviously when Nana was out of earshot, he goes, well, did you win? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did, so of course, <laughs> of course my spirits uh, were lightened. Um, there are a few lessons I learned that day. Uh, but that's, that's the perfect thing that describes Pop-Pop to me is he knew exactly what to say, not because he was a particularly thoughtful person. He didn't think too much about what he said. He just said it. But the reason he knew what to say is because he was happy. Pop-Pop was a happy person. Bob was a happy person. And, you know, the longer, um, the more I've gone through life, I've met a lot of Christians at NC State. Um, 
And one of the things that really sticks out when I meet somebody is, are they happy? And that really shows if they've met the real Jesus. Because, you know, it's not to say that we won't be subject to sadness and there will be tragedy. But when you've met the real Jesus, there's a joy that comes with that. And um, that's what I learned from, from Pop Pop. He chose to be happy. You know, it's, it's not those days where you are in real tragedy, but it's, it's those, those normal days where you have the choice of, am I going to be a negative person or am I going to be a positive person? He taught me to be positive and that so much better of a life is lived from that. And um, so, yeah, if you have the opportunity to choose, if it's a day that you can choose, choose to be positive, choose to be happy, um, and just choose to get that happiness from the place where it comes from, from God, because that's what my grandfather taught me. Thank you. Asa's mother will now come, Susanna. It's so good to see everybody here. Um, thank you for coming. There's a lot of stories about my dad, and we've had a lot of laughs over the last couple weeks. Um, silly stuff. Um, but really, what I pondered was something a little bit more serious. And in less seriousness, we all thought dad would go out in some sort of horrible backing accident. <laughs> All of us kids and several grandchildren have stories of how dad let us drive way before mom knew, and we knew better than to tell her. Even back then, we were told we were great drivers, and we weren't, uh, but we believed. We believed dad, and even at that point, we were probably better drivers than dad. Um, I got dad's driving gene, and so did Bo. Um, Recently, the guys at Banner Elk Exxon identified me as a Baranowski just by taking one look at the back of my old vehicle. <laughs> True. <laughs> so Dad sang loud. He hugged a little too tight. Uh, he could find us when we were lost in a store with a simple family hootie-hoo. He scared us with stories of the ghost of Uliuma in the woods. He tickled us until we yelled for my mom. He defended us when we didn't deserve it. He worked tirelessly and without complaint. He loved unguardedly. He welcomed all into our family circle, cracked corny chokes, made everyone feel important and at ease. He listened. He talked. He studied. He showed mercy. He held optimism and a zest for life unequaled by anyone I've ever met. He was mischievous and silly. We all felt he was ours, and he was, and he is. One thing Dad took very seriously was God's word. 
especially found in Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19, where it says, write the scriptures on your heart. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down to dinner together. And we did. Every night after dinner, Dad would read a passage of scripture to us and we'd talk about it. And we learned. But on Saturday night, we would recite scripture. Not verses, whole chapters. And if a friend was spending the night with me on Saturday night, I would beg my dad not to embarrass me by making us recite scripture. And you know what he did differently? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I want to share the scriptures that Dad chose for us to memorize because I've been pondering them these last couple weeks. And I think when you hear what they are, you'll understand a little bit more about Dad and how he challenged us to live these scriptures. And they all pointed us to Jesus. The first thing we memorized was the Ten Commandments found in the book of Exodus. God's ten simple rules for living and keeping us from harm. Dad liked to break rules, but not those. He lived within God's guidelines. Jesus also lived like that. We memorized Psalm 100, mercifully short. It's all about praising God, and it reminds us that we are his precious flock and that he is faithful to us. And he's good to us if we will just live joyfully and praise him. Dad did that, loudly on Sundays especially. We memorized John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It tells us about the deity of Jesus Christ and how he really was and is God. He reminds us, and that scripture reminds us, that all of us are called into his arms and all we have to do is trust him. We're all invited and adopted once we accept him. Dad trusted. He knew he was Jesus's. He knew he was a child of God. And he wanted everyone to enjoy the fellowship with God. And Dad's life pointed us all straight to Jesus. And October 27th, Jesus said, well done. We memorized Romans chapter 12. It's theological. It tells us to live sacrificially, serving God and others, forgiving and using our unique gifts and individually. Dad allowed us to be ourselves. Even when we insisted on getting an art degree, Dad was right, I should have gotten a business degree. But he always encouraged our passions. Live for God and he will take care of the rest, Susanna. And he has. Dad lived his gifts of teaching, of encouraging, of giving generously, and loving fiercely. Mostly, he made us see ourselves as God sees us, his unique creations, and that we are dearly loved children. Finally, he had us memorize 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. He wanted us to know that above all else, wealth, righteousness, degrees, power, 
Nothing beats love. Loving God, loving others, loving your family. Dad lived that so well, not just in the community, but at home. We knew we were loved by our dad. We knew he dearly loved our mother. One of the last things he said was that he loved her. And he said, praise the Lord, his two favorites. Thank you, Dad, for loving the Lord wholeheartedly. Thank you, Dad, for loving Mom passionately. Thank you, Dad, for loving us recklessly, your family, your church, your community, even perfect strangers. We all know the love of Jesus a lot better because Dad pointed us to Jesus and loved us well. And we all promise to live more like that, like Dad. We'll see you soon, Dad. A hootie hoo. <laughs> hootie hoo. Psalm 100. Shout with joy before the Lord, O earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We are each his. We are the people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. We love you, Dad. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. Come up, brother-in-law Bear. Come up. One footnote I'll say is uh, on weeknight devotions, it was utter chaos, and we called it commotions, and our whole goal was to subvert anything creative or good that was going to happen, but I don't think we succeeded. Um, you know, knowing my dad died, the, the first one of the recollections I had is it, I think he really liked things that were out of control and pretty loose, and I remember we had a some diseased Christmas trees. And I said, Dad, I'll burn those when I get home. I'll take care of it. And he agreed to that. And so I went to work and I came home. And I remember driving from Banner Elk and seeing this huge plume of smoke. And I knew exactly what was gonna happen. So I came there and my dad assured me that he had everything under control. He had one five gallon bucket of water that was burned and melted. <laughs> the shovel was on fire. And I remember he had his um, Nomax suit, his Air Force fire retardant suit. And I looked at him, and it was so hot, the face of his watch had popped off and both of his glasses. <laughs> the, the lenses had popped out. So that was him, though. It was always um, a little out of control. And uh, I think that was an attractant, you know. And uh, it's a gift having a man like him.
Every friend I brought home, um, my dad had an impact on. And it was because he was kind and he was humble and he loved. And so many of those people reached out and said, your father was a second, if not first father to me. And the the best gift that he gave me is he gave me um, love, but he gave me confidence. He didn't criticize me. He built me up more so than any ability or intelligence or looks. He built me up and he always told me I could do something. And if I wanted something that I didn't have, he would help me get there. And, and that's, um, that's the gift that I, I hold from him. Um, he impacted me in, in many ways. And the, the simple story um, for the honor and the admiration that I have for my dad is I remember him telling me when he was in Vietnam, it was such a gift to be able to put on um, A clean pair of socks and it's an odd habit I have but when I put on socks that are clean most of the time I think of him and I think you know that's the man that my dad was and uh, he's been a great example to all of us and he's impacted us and um, he was a man with with many flaws but I think those were exposed and it was part of the the package. I don't think he was searching for perfection, but uh, he loved me, and he loved my friends, and he treated everybody kindly, and he approached them humbly. And that's what I carried with me on a daily basis. Hmm. You want to say anything? I, I think it's hard for me to remember the rest of Dad's life, the last few years of him with Alzheimer's. It's kind of dominant for me right now. And I love that I've seen him play out in weakness, the way he played out in strength his whole life, of being teachable, which he would always drill into us was the most important trait. And in the end, he would ask you what to put on and where to go and what to eat. And he did it so beautifully and so gracefully and so humbly. And he was led. And it was so impressive to see a man of such grace and humility and kindness. And I'm really proud of him. And I'm proud of you, Mom. And I'm proud of the way you cared for him. So sacrificially, all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. And he just adores you. But you did a really great job. And thank you. Colomai, the oldest of the siblings, my 
my brother-in-law, Bo, to come and close out this time. There's a lot that's been said about my dad today, and all of it is true. And I have stories, too. I can remember the reciting scriptures. He put a sign up that said, you can do it, too. <laughs> um, you know, the, the two commandments that are found in the New Testament that Jesus said were the most important is, love, the God, love your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And my dad did those two things. He loved his neighbor as himself. He certainly loved God with all his heart. As has been said, he studied the scriptures throughout his life. He loved the word. He stayed in the word. He memorized the word. And he passed the word on to others. And he loved people. Oh, how he loved his wife. He loved her so. but he loved others too. He loved all his children. And again, he supported us in what we were going to do. He loved that I went in the military because he was in the military. In fact, he came out one time when I was stationed in Germany. Uh, he flew out on a, on a transport plane, which you can fly for five bucks. So he caught a transport plane. You gotta wait for one that's going. But he waited and he got there and he was so excited to see soldiers. And uh, we were going to the field, which means we were going on a FTX field training exercise. And uh, he wanted to come. So I let him. In fact, I let him drive the tank that I was in. Because <laughs> I knew he couldn't hurt it. <laughs> and he was driving around with the driver's hatch open so he could see. The driver's hatches are supposed to be closed. And my battalion commander, the guy that was a couple ranks ahead of me, saw my dad driving this tank. And he pulled us over and wanted to know what in the world I was doing. I said, hey, it's my dad. He wanted to drive. <laughs> so he drove. Um, but dad loved us. Um, and he loved others. And he was humbled, as has already been said. And I don't want to reiterate too much, but dad was such a humble man. When he first got out of the Air Force, he took a job as a janitor. He started a janitorial cleaning company. And I can remember going out with him at nights when some worker didn't show up and he'd have to clean the toilets. I can remember him cleaning a toilet in McLean Trucking Company uh, in Maryland. And he was cleaning a toilet and one of his four former soldiers came in and was urinating in the stall next to us. And the guy you know, made fun of that. He said, hey, look, that guy used to be my colonel. He said that to another guy in the bathroom. And my dad didn't flinch at all. He just said, good to see you, and went back to cleaning the toilet. And that humility, um, I, I've never seen it replicated in anybody else. He was just a humble man, and he was a loving man. And one of the verses he gave me for life was Philippians 1.6. He who has started a good work in you will see it through to completion. And that was certainly the way he lived. He, he continued a good work in my dad's life, and he carried it through completion. And what Amy said about him being compliant at the end, we used to take walks during the days, and he would always say, which way you want to go? Which way you want to go? And he, would, <laughs> and, um, and he would see clouds, and he would see flowers, and he would always point them out. 
and uh, he loved getting the mail. In fact, he loved kissing mom so much that even if he was going out to get the mail, he would take time to kiss mom goodbye, just to get the mail. So I love my dad, and I love the legacy that he's given all of us here, and I love the impact on, his, on the lives of those who are gathered here. And he would, as has been said, want you to know Christ as his savior. And that was the most important thing to dad in all of his kindness, was that he led you to Christ. And he did by his words and by his actions, just the way he lived and the way he loved. Thank you all for coming. We've talked about how much Bob loved the word and how much he loved to sing. And Bob definitely had a really good voice, but Bob ascribed to that theory that real men sing real loud. In the end of Bob's life over the last couple months, year or so, as Amy, my wife, the little general, we call her. As she would uh, take Bob into different parts of the house and different rooms, one of the things that he loved the most was to go into the sunroom at the house and sit in a leather chair in there and take an iPad, and he loved to le listen to his favorite preacher, David Jeremiah. And he also liked to listen to hymns. And he would listen to those hymns and he would listen to those songs and from time to time you could catch him, often actually, singing along. A couple months ago, I believe, I, I, I think my niece Phoebe had her phone. She was up visiting and had her phone and recorded Pop Pop singing. And singing one of his favorite songs and favorite hymns. And so in just a moment, I'm going to play that. I'm going to play that recording of a man whose mind had, had, had gone, whose body was failing him, but whose word was hidden in his heart. And Jesus was on his lips because he knew his faithfulness was great. And so he sang it. So we're going to let Brother Bob, my father-in-law, my mentor, my elder, sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, and then we will join and sing afterwards. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, 
Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath I found. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Let's stand.
a closing prayer, hear God's word to us from 1 Corinthians, selected verses in 2 Corinthians, Romans chapter 8, and Zephaniah 3. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. But what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. You see, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can then comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from a holy God. Because the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you. With singing. Jason. Once again, if you have a, a card you have filled out today and you want to drop that off, you can. You can drop it in the back as you leave or in either of these doors as well. If you're in the fellowship hall or want to just simply go out that way, you, you can. So as we conclude our time today, hear from the doxology from Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. And go in peace.
just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove. Trust him.